We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast, and this week presented by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Reminder, if you haven't yet, the first two episodes of our Eastbound and Down rewatch are live. Chapter 3 drops on Monday. Got a little bonus episode for you today. You can catch today's guest writing about football over on 538, including the article we are talking about today. Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh, thanks so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Kyle, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to talk about uh, movie coaches and football movies. It's good stuff. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm very excited about this. When this article was brought to my attention, uh, the fo- fictional football coaches and talking about them as as though they are real people is very much up this podcast alley. Before we get into it, uh, where can the folks check out your work? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I write at five thirty eight mostly about uh, real football. Um, they did allow me to do this uh, football coaches. Movie review, which was a lot of fun. You can also check me out on Twitter at Frisco Josh. Well, Josh, this piece, uh, I think a listener. I wish I had. Um, I wish I had remembered which listener brought it to my attention. But thank you for uh, for who did. You wrote a piece and did a did a video to who's the most chaotic movie football coach. Which, you know, like I said, very much up this podcast alley. How did this come about? Where did this idea originate? Actually, um, uh, an agent actually. Uh, Texted me one day, a football player agent, and he was like, we meet every year and we talk and have dinner at the Combine. He was like, hey, man, you, you should do a, a piece kind of evaluating all of the movie coaches and like calculate EPA per play and, and like figure out which coach is like actually the best. And I was I, I when I got the when I got the DM, I was like, this is genius. He's like, yeah, this is totally a 538 story. And I thought, yeah, it, it actually, this really is. I, I should do this. And, and so I started uh, watching, you know, a handful of movies. I had to pick some. 
Um, and uh, I did. I picked nine. And I started watching them. And it just it turns out that, uh, well, I mean, maybe unsurprisingly, it was surprising to me. Uh, maybe unsurprisingly, uh, these these films, uh, the continuity problems with these films are such that actually putting a, a complete drive together on film and understanding down and distance, time remaining, how many yards were actually gained on a particular play, was it a pass or a run, all those things uh, are really hard to actually string together for multiple plays. Um, you know, most of what filmmakers do with movies is, you know, they're focused on characters and and so they'll, they'll do extreme close-ups and they won't show the scoreboard or the scoreboard won't update. And uh, and so, long story short, I, I had to abandon that idea and eventually I, I, I landed on this idea of an alignment chart and kind of taking the biggest character, you know, the, the, the biggest uh, personality in these movies, which is the head football coach, and uh, putting them on an axis of good to evil and chaotic to lawful. So you you laid out four quadrants in that, the, the basically four corners of, uh, ex- explain it to me. I, I'm, I'm butchering lawful evil, lawful good, chaotic evil, chaotic good. Right. So, I mean, as you might expect, in the movies at least, most coaches are either going to be these authoritarian kind of evil characters or they're going to be these super or, or, or relatively so, you know, lawful good characters. And uh, and so that's what we find. And the nine the nine movie sample that I watched, we had three in the chaotic evil and we had four in the lawful good. Um, and 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 I think that that's fine. And I think that's what you would expect. But the interesting coaches to me were the ones that fell into those other uh, two quadrants, the lawful evil and the chaotic good. And um, for me, the most interesting coach was um, the coach of North Dallas 40. His name in the movie is B.A. Struthers, but he's actually modeled after Tom Landry of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, the movie itself was actually uh, an adaptation of a book written by a former player who played under Landry. And uh, and so it's it was it's one of the most kind of insightful football movies and one of the most careful football movies um, uh, I think ever made. They really paid a lot of attention to detail. They had a lot of actual NFL players come in and um, give advice and give their expertise into how plays should be run and how the locker room should be set up and all of the rest. And and uh, it was actually the only movie I was able to get a full um drives worth of EPA. So I was able to say, here's what happened on play one all the way to the touchdown. And there, I think there was uh, seven plays and I was able to calculate the, the TD probability uh, at each moment in time. And, and, and that's what I had hoped to do for each coach, but it turns out that North Dallas 40, which if you haven't seen it, I mean, what, what a great football movie and what a great movie overall, Nick Nolte vehicle. Um, he's the star. He actually made the whole thing happen. And uh, he was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood at the time. And he was just a huge fan of this book. And uh, he kind of willed this thing to happen. And uh, definitely something I would check out if you're a fan of football and a fan of movies. So what was your uh, criteria for coach selection and movie selection? Because like you said, you, you pick nine movies and they are, you have a wide variety of movies from North Dallas 40, a very well-regarded kind of serious football movie about pro football uh, you know, Varsity Blues, which is just as much a, you know, one of those late 90s raunchy teen movies as it is a football movie. And also Airbud, Golden Receiver. 
for, for what it's worth. How did you go about grouping this together? Yeah, I wanted a mix of movies that were, you know, both well-reviewed and poorly reviewed. And I used tomato rating to kind of get at that. And I wanted I wanted that because I knew, you know, these these poorly removed, poorly reviewed movies are likely to have coaches who are just caricatures and, and, and they would fill out my chaotic evil bucket. But um, I think I think also I wanted to. I wanted to see, you know, like just how well uh, coaches were represented and their and their actual play calling was represented in movies of all different kinds. Air Bud was actually one of my favorites. It's not well reviewed by uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, actually really good. He, the coach Finelli in the movie scored really high on my alignment chart, as you might expect. I mean, like his only flaw, I think, was he ate a lot of junk food. And I think uh, I think, though, that. You know, movies like that, like like which would so if you're unfamiliar with Air Bud, it's about a golden retriever who uh, joins a uh, junior high football team that's struggling and becomes their best receiver, which is ridiculous. And it's but it's a family drama and it's a Disney movie and and it's uh, corny as hell. And and I think there's even I even linked to this uh, the, the, to Arian Foster and another football player watching the movie and just kind of laughing about it. And saying how bad it is. But there's moments in it that I think are really good. They're really like why you would want to watch movies in general. Like I think uh, there's a moment where he he talks to Runaway Josh, who's the the, the main character, the young young boy who's playing football. Um, he runs away and, you know, like tries to convince him using this football analogy. Like you like basketball, you like football, you love them both. Well, you know, you can still love your father while, st- while, uh, while, while still being friends with your um, your mother's boyfriend. And I think... I think things like that, you know, kind of get overlooked in the corniness. I thought that it had a good heart and uh, definitely a good movie. I'm about to utter a sentence that I, I can guarantee has never been said, but Airbud is just like Bloodsport in the <laughs> sense that both of those movies are exactly what they're trying to be and nothing that, like, nothing not. They, they, they get exactly what they're going for and they nail it. Like, Airbud is just going to be that kind of corny, good movie for children. Adults can throw it on too. It's got good lessons. It's just kind of heartwarming, but also it's not taking itself too terribly seriously. Bloodsport is not really taking itself too terribly seriously either. Bloodsport's a great movie. My, my goodness. And 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 just so I'm, I'm clear, you're talking about the Van Damme movie, right? Yeah. Yes, a movie that earlier this year I put in the uh, in the Hall of Fame of sports movies because for that exact reason, it is it is still a really good rewatch, and it is not trying to be too much. It's just really good, being exactly what it wants to be. Yeah, tremendous stuff. Uh, didn't he also do Kickboxer? I mean, like these were these were very similar movies, weren't they? Yeah, I mean he he went through that run where it was either uh like uh, mixed martial arts or something like that, or he was a soldier. It was like just one of the two. A really good mix from uh, from John Claude Van Damme, um, but you, you mentioned the you know that the the coach in uh, in Airbud is is right up there in the in the lawful good. The two coaches that are highest up there are, are very you know very different. Uh, the, the coach from Airbud and then Herman Boone from Remember uh, from Remember the Titans is lawful good in your mind. Is there an ideal spot in 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 this model in your mind that that that's the kind of coach that you would want coaching your football team? I mean, look, Herman Boone went undefeated under adverse conditions and in a moment in our history when, you know, 
it, it was really tough to be the coach that he was for the team that he was coaching. So if you're unfamiliar with the story, T.C. Williams High School in 1971 integrated and they while this isn't entirely true, I'm, I'm giving the story of the movie. They were up against other teams that were not integrated and they were the ones who were kind of uniquely facing this challenge that was facing the country at large of trying to come to grips with racism and, 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 and heal these wounds, these racial wounds amidst this, you know, external tension. And so I think, you know, like given that backdrop and then they, they even dramatized it even further, the movie writers, they, they gave him uh, an ultimatum that if he ever lost even one game, he would be fired. And he had moved his family down to this area to coach the team and he had just gotten there. So I think there was, you know, the, the stakes were really high for him. So I think the way the movie portrayed him as this kind of exacting, kind of no-nonsense, I expect perfection type of coach, um, you know, is is understandable. But in real life, in the real world, the Herman Boone that actually existed was a lot more complicated. And he actually was almost voted off the team, like the team basically mutinied after a game because he's just so hard on the players and um, there came out that there were some allegations about physical abuse and and so all this kind of thing he actually left the left the team left the school um, shortly after um, the the players almost mutinied and they they kind of get at that part of his character in the movie like there's one part where uh, again if you've seen the movie uh, Daryl Blue Stanton is you know, complaining that he's thirsty and, and Denzel Washington's character tells him that water's for cowards, you know, this kind of thing. And um, I, I, I laugh because it's so ridiculous. Like, I, I hope we all realize at this point that that kind of mentality is actually, I mean, not it's not just harmful. It's actually dangerous. It's Kids die every year. And in fact, the year before the movie was made, eight kids died from what, what, what uh, North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, categorized as uh, basically heat stroke, which would be alleviated by giving kids time off and, and giving them, you know, getting them hydrated. So I, I think that I think that there are, while Denzel Washington's characterization, his portrayal of Herman Boone was amazing, and that's why I put him as lawful and good. Um, there were some more kind of darker aspects to the character that I think uh, were worth exploring. And, and that's why I do it in the piece. Well, I like that in the piece though, you, you acknowledge there, there are three characters who are actually three actors who are actually portraying real life characters. Um, the, the guy from North Dallas Fort is based on Landry, but um, Boone, Gary Gaines, and then McConaughey's character from We Are Marshall. Um, but you, but you focused on the actual on the movie actions because unpacking the actual, especially with with Herman Boone, unpacking the actual uh, the actual humans behind the characters would would be a lot more complex. Um, I will say that that remember the Titans. I I always harp on this. Just make some major missteps with with Herman with just football stuff in general. Um, you know, especially my. I think the biggest uh, the biggest flaw that Remember the Titans has is uh, in the the halftime of the state championship game when they make uh, Yo say, you know, Herman, I could use your help. Uh, Ed Henry's kicking my ass out there, and Herman's offense has actually thrown up a donut, and Yost has kept the you know Ed Henry into single digits. I think they they could have reworked that a little bit. Um, there's a few other things, but it, it's a it's a very commanding performance by Denzel as 
anyone would expect. I don't think there's been a Denzel movie where he's not this commanding performance and kind of chewing up the screen in a really great way. Um, same with uh, same with Gary Gaines. I love. I think Friday Night Lights. I don't know if it's because of the show that it just got thrown. The it kind of overpowered the movie. Um, but I, I was very happy to see to see Billy Bob Thornton on this list, to see uh, Gary Gaines on this list. I think it's a very um, reserved performance by Billy Bob Thornton, and it's kind of a an interesting look at the the stress. Like Herman Boone's under a different kind of stress as, as a high school football coach, but it is a very interesting look at the the stresses that a West Texas high school football coach can go under. Uh, I was I was very happy to see that you had included that. Billy Bob Thornton uh, performance. Were there any movies or any coaches that you regretted leaving out of this uh, sample? You know, a lot of people mention The Replacements, and it's actually a movie I haven't. That's what I had in my notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of people mentioned it, and and I do kind of regret it because, it, it, like I said, it's a movie I've never actually watched. Um, you know, whenever I think of Keanu and football, I think of uh, Point Break and Johnny Utah. You know, but that's about as far as it goes for me, and. Uh, Josh, I've got great news. If you have cable, the replacement, there's a 97% chance the replacements is on right now. And you can check it out because it is on cable all the time. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, because I haven't seen it, I don't know what I would have gotten out of it. I, I'd be interested to know if uh, you, you obviously, you know, my rubric here, what I was trying to achieve, kind of judging these coaches. What, how, where, where do you think we would have placed the coach in replacements? So Jimmy McGinty is played by Gene Hackman. It's it's a really good Hackman performance. It's actually one of our last good Hackman performances. Honestly, I think it's like I, I think this and then Royal Tenenbaum and then um, I'm not sure if he had anything good after Royal Tenenbaum because he wraps up with Welcome to Mooseport, which is just a damn shame. Um, anyways, that was a sidebar. Um, I think he is he's probably around the he might actually be in the chaotic good because it, the role in itself is, I mean, and if any, you know, anyone who's seen the replacements, he he's pulling together scab players and these, you know, these kind of off the wall talents. And then he brings in uh, Keanu Reeves as uh, Shane Falco to kind of tie them all together. But he's, he's got to be a little bit off the wall and a little chaotic. Um, but he is, he has a lot of the, uh, he has a lot of the airbud coach in him in the sense of being good for his players and caring about his players in that sense and like wanting the best for them. It it'd be interesting if you if you end up watching that, I would love to see where you place him uh where you place him on the rubric. Um so one thing that like the data and a good study can do is correct us on some preconceived notions. Did you learn anything un- unexpected about these characters when you dug into this little project? Were you surprised where you ended up placing some of these guys? I mean, not entirely, but I, I was surprised at just how much of a douchebag uh, Paul Crew was in Longest Yard. And-, and you chose original Burt Reynolds Paul Crew and not Sandler Paul Crew. Correct, correct. Yeah, I mean, like the Sandler... Look, I mean, Waterboy was also on the list and it was one I could have chosen, but... That's that's a movie I've seen a, a multiple times, and they're just in my mind there just wasn't enough football in it um, to to make it interesting. Um, wh- whereas with with the Longest Yard, um, you know, Burt Reynolds is an icon, and this is kind of the movie that that made him a sex symbol. And and I thought that 
you know, I, I would I would go into this and I would see like his oozing charm and and that I would come away thinking, well, you know, he went to jail. At least this was my preconceived notion. I hadn't seen it. He went to jail. But, you know, my goodness, he actually had a heart of gold and he was and he was actually here and he could lead a team. And he was a leader and, you know, and all the rest. Well, it, it turns out, no, he actually deserved to be in jail and like he. He got drunk, hit a woman, took a stole her car, went on a drunk driving escapade, got arrested, and and you know basically deserved to be in jail. And 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 then the, the the people that he interacted with in jail weren't weren't entirely likable. And while he did some cool things, like he integrated the team, um, and 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 he and he went for it on fourth down and went for two two point conversions, like he was aggressive. So there were things that I I, I liked about uh, his coaching. Um, in terms of football, um, his character itself was just not something I, I was really drawn to. And, uh, and I know he was like kind of trying to play up his whole Marlon Brando kind of look at the time. And, and I think it probably served him well. Um, you know, I would much rather watch him in something um, like Deliverance or, or gosh, it, you know, even Boogie Nights. Like, like there's so many things that I like Burt Reynolds in. This just wasn't one of them. No, oh, he's phenomenal in Boogie Nights. I'm wondering if uh, Longest Yard was one of his last roles without a mustache as well. Um, that's one thing. It's one thing the remake does is the remake actually makes it very easy to root for both uh, Sandler's Paul Crew and, uh, and most of the guys that he meets in prison, most of the guys on the team. Um, I want to talk about a guy you have on here as, as one of the most evil coaches, uh, Bud Kilmer. From Varsity Blues. How long had it been since you rewatched Varsity Blues before you did this project? I mean, the whipped cream bikini scene, like most young men, is kind of burned into my mind and I'll never forget it. So I was I was actually I think I actually had kind of fonder memories of the movie um, than than what I actually saw on the screen this upon rewatch. Um, it, it was it was a pretty it was a stinker. It was a pretty bad movie, and 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 I think, it, like you said at the top, it, this MTV generation, they were, um, you know, they were they were kind of playing up certain aspects of popular culture at the time. Um, I think you know, uh, Bud Kilmer was a, a caricature of a bad coach. He, you know, was a racist. He, when his players got injured, he encouraged them to play even if they had head injuries. He actually chokes out one of the kids at the end of the movie and then's voted off the team like it's just one thing after another they he encourages another kid to, to uh, i think uh, paul paul walker um uh, rest in peace he, he encourages him to take a shot in the knee which ultimately ends up getting him injured and and off the team due to that injury and ruining his career so like every single possible bad thing that a coach could do bud kilmer's character in varsity blues does and um you know i mean it just makes it kind of uninteresting so I, when I originally covered Varsity Blues, I think like right after I launched this podcast, I think it was four or five episodes in, like, I, I want to get this up. Bud Kilmer is a terrible person, terrible, terrible person. Like you should never have high school athletes taking shots of Toradol, which I assume is what they were, they were doing to, or whatever, some kind of painkiller to, to have the kids play through it. You should never hit your players. You should never be a racist. Bud Kilmer, like super bad dude. But John Moxon, Vanderbeek's character, like not not great either. Like I I almost felt for Bud Kilmer in a few spots. Like he catches his backup quarterback reading a book mid game 
like pretending to look at the playbook and reading it. Like I would be super pissed too. Uh, John Moxon rounds up the stars on the team and takes them to the strip club for an all nighter the night before a game. I would I would be pissed if I were Bud Kilmer. Like he gives that that super angry speech in the, in the locker room after that game. Like I I feel you, Bud Kilmer. Like that stinks that your players went and did that. And then towards the end, Mox is whining to uh, to Amy Smart, his girlfriend, uh, Paul Walker's sister in the movie. And he's like, Kilmer says, if I don't play his way, he's going to ruin my scholarship to Brown, which like ruining the scholarship to Brown or ruining the admission to Brown is is like that's that's deplorable. But like, so is he just asking you to run the plays he calls and not mess the game up? Like what? What's the problem here, sir? So I. I I feel bad defending Bud Kilmer, but I'm just like, you know, after, you know, 20, 30 years of coaching, like I could see where Jonathan Moxon would kind of rub that guy the wrong way. Oh, for sure. I mean, Moxon, like, uh, well, the, the, the movie, the movie writers, like clearly had, um, a poor, poor opinion of, of, of high school football. Like, and, and, and they, so they cast this backup quarterback who comes in and becomes the hero who's actually nebbish and, you know, book smart and wants to go on and actually do something real with his life. Like, I mean, that whole kind of thing that they were doing. Um, oh, the other part of it, though, the one part I do agree with Moxon was like he wanted to move to a more pass happy offense while, you know, Kilmer was like run first. So that, that was one thing where I was like, OK, they're a little they, they were on the right track there. But but the rest of it, I totally agree with you. He he was equal, he wasn't as unlikable, but he was not a likable uh, a main character and and his dad and uh, Paul Walker's um, character's dad. Um, they're a little. What did they do? Like throwing footballs at each other with like beer cans on their head at one to prove who's the better quarterback. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really bad. It's a bad movie. Yeah, the kind of like you said, the writers of Varsity Blues had a, a low opinion of high school football and that kind of culture, but also not a big understanding of it. Whereas I think where Friday night lights hits and is such a good film is that I think those writers had a huge understanding of, of high school football, especially in West Texas. And they also had this incredible source text as well. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, and I think they, you know, you, you made a great point that it captured Gary Gaines kind of struggle with the passions of this town and how, how his outsized importance they put upon Friday nights and this, high school football and winning and but they also kind of captured I think in a way that was it was it was authentic enough that it you know obviously spawned the whole series but there was this there was this idea that no these all these can be the best moments of your life I mean and then that can be sad but it can also be great and you should enjoy them as as best you as best you can uh, because not everyone's destined for this amazing you know, life after high school. And if you do have the opportunity to be, you know, starting quarterback on uh, the, this is hugely important to this town high school team, um, you should you should take advantage of those moments. And I think that they kind of balance those two things pretty well in the movie. Um, I don't I didn't come away thinking Gary Gaines was amazing. Um, like you said, it was a restrained performance by Billy Bob Thornton. But I, I, so he wasn't inspiring. He wasn't like, you know, offensive. He was just he was just kind of there, and uh, and again, there was a real Gary Gaines behind all of this, and uh, there was a real James Booby Miles, and 
Um, and I think that part of it, I guess, interests me more than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the the super subtle things, like subtle favorite scenes or most authentic scenes about that movie for me and where I kind of like uh, Billy Bob Thornton the best is uh, when it's, it's the the morning of the first game and he's just sitting in his office and one of the guys, like you assume it's like a quote unquote boosters for high school football. Like the three guys come in. He's like, Oh, you got some characters there. And he's like, you know, what's up? What can I help you with? And he's like, you know, we're just here to talk about defense. And it's like the, and you can just see his, his eyebrows raise a little bit. And he's like, I've got to entertain these local men who have nothing better to do on a Friday morning than come to the high school and talk to the football coach about defense. Uh, I very much appreciated that little uh, that that small scene, but and their um, and their and their <laughs> recommendations were incredibly specific. Like it was like they were they may not have been experts, but they they knew the jargon and they were coming at him pretty crazy. And they'd been thinking about that all summer too. They'd been planning out that conversation with Gary for a while. Um, something I do on this podcast every now and then, especially with football coaches, as I talk about, uh, what I call the brick wall test, would you run through a brick wall to play for this guy? And I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of, is, is someone inspiring you or someone, um, you know, I think of it as like a player's coach. A lot of times, like I, I had, um, my summer after or uh, summer before my senior year of college, my summer ball manager was a player's coach. I would still, I'd run through a brick wall to play for that guy. I just loved him. How many of these nine guys would pass your personal brick wall test? I, I think definitely one and probably two. So I think Herman Boone would probably inspire his players to run through the brick wall out of fear. Um, whereas someone like Jack Langle would just, you would pur- purely do it just because he's a solid dude. And uh, and again, I don't know, I don't have a, a, a really kind of solid understanding of the real Jack Langle. I but there's nothing in the record about him that even indicates a hint of him being a bad guy. And so I think I kind of think Matthew McConaughey was playing it straight. Like, I think the reason why his character is one dimensional is because Jack Lenkel was just a nice guy. Like he just wanted to try and help a town heal and he wanted to help kids. And, and he was a family man. And I think all those things, you know, I was watching a, a video with Michael Vick just today. He was talking uh, on an interview about when he was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. And he, when he was growing up as a kid, 10, 11, he was saying, you know, I, I will play, for, I would play for any coach, but I can't play for Dan Reeves. He's so mean to John Elway. I just want to play for a nice coach. And then he got drafted by the Falcons and, and, uh, and, and he actually ended up, you know, being coached by Dan Reeves and how he had to work through that. And I think, I think that's kind of something that everyone who plays football or as a, you know, has had to deal with a real strict disciplinarian. They kind of want, they want someone who's going to validate them and be nice to them and, and like tell them they're, do, they're doing a good job. And, and I think Jack Lengel is the type of coach that would do that. And, and at least for me, he's a guy I'd run through a wall for. He definitely comes off as a player's coach. I will also say that Tony D'Amato, you mentioned the speech in your piece, the inches speech, which is to me the best coach speech in sports movie history. I would say, Hmm. Um, I, I would, I would run through a brick wall for that speech. I, I pull it up on YouTube sometimes just to, uh, just to get the chills. Um, last thing I've got for you, what's the best movie of these nine? What is your favorite movie of these nine? Yeah, I gave it away at the top. It's North Dallas 40. Uh, is it close? No, no, really? No, not for me. I, there were so many things that it anticipated, right? So it anticipated, you know, the hypocrisy of, you know, 
using drugs to to be performant and get out on the field, but also not allowing you to use them recre- recreationally like marijuana. It anticipated like there were three different people who um, advised on the film and all were blackballed by the NFL. So it kind of anticipated what happened with with Kaepernick. You know, you, you cross the league, you're going to pay. Like the NFL hated the film when it came out. So it was very punk rock. Like Nick Nolte is like the most punk rock. And, and I, I appreciate that about him. Um, and, and I thought he played played the role really, really well. And um, so that plus, I'm an analytics guy, right? And and like, so B.A. Struthers was this caricature, you know, but not fully like, but he, he was definitely, you know, they overemphasized some parts of uh, Landry, Tom Landry. But he was the first coach in the NFL to really use uh, numbers and analytics to kind of, you know, help him run an organization. Like, um, and, and I, I think that that has shown itself to be something with legs and the NFL is slowly, you know, creakingly moving in that direction. And, but he was one of the first and he was wildly successful with it. And I think, so for all those reasons, like just from a, a lover of the game's perspective and then also a lover of cinema, I think this one hit all the right notes for me. Um, it's it's a well acted movie. It's a well written movie, and it actually had some meaning for the thing it was actually portraying. Nick Nolte sneaky shot at being a sports movie Hall of Famer with North Dallas Forty and blue chips under his belt. Blue chips, um, my God! That, that, that the one's that's the one with Shaq, yeah. That is the one with Shaq, uh, Penny. That that one essentially gave us Shaq and Penny. Uh, the lore behind blue chips is almost better than blue chips uh, because you have Nolte shadowing Bob Knight. Uh, you have Shaq and Penny playing together on, you know, in these scrimmages while during filming and Penny's agent telling Penny, like, you need to get in tight with Shaq and then Shaq calling the magic and saying, you need to draft this kid. Uh, it just it's perfect. Blue chips. I'm, I'm a huge blue chips guy. But Josh, this was great. Um, great piece, folks. I will link it in the, uh, it will be in the show notes. You can catch it at 538. Josh, oh, tell the folks again where they can follow you, where they can find your work. Sure, 538 uh, and Frisco Josh on Twitter. It was a pleasure, Josh. Thanks so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Scene Sports, please remember to subscribe, rate, review. You all know the drill. Like I said at the top, on Monday, Chapter 3 of Eastbound and Down, uh, Jeremy Loss returns, and uh, we talk some Kenny Powers. We'll catch you then. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.